Bibles to Second Peter to Proverbs 66. No, I'm just kidding. Second Peter chapter one. The title of today's message is The Seven Qualities of a Mature Christian. I wanted this to be a two-part message, but I can't make any promises since we didn't get through the whole first part, first service. Um, I'll try to keep up with at least what we did first service. Um, and then next week we'll finish up the the last four qualities or, you know, well, Lord willing, whatever he wants to do. So Second Peter chapter 1, we're actually going to read verses 1 through 11. And I did look up because some people are real uh, interested in numbers and the study of numbers. And actually, the Christian meaning of the numbers 1, 1, 1, 1, 1 all that, is symbolic as far as the Trinity is concerned. So when you see one, one, ones, it's the completion of, or the culmination of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I thought that was cool that, you know, here we are studying the seven qualities of a mature Christian, and that one, one, one just falls right in there. But that's a freebie. You do with it what you want. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the scriptures like I've been teaching you over these last few months, year, whatever, um, to slow down and really look at the meat of the word. And it, go ahead, you're not going to go to hell if you mark in your Bible or highlight, you know, Missy, you got your, you got your pen? All right, she's got it ready. Uh, so to make note of those things, because if we're called to study the word, I don't know about you, but when I was in school and even in college, I had to buy my books and I couldn't resell them because I marked them up. I mean, I marked them up because then when I go back, I can immediately be drawn to that. So go ahead and do that. So what we're going to do is slow down in our reading of this. So we're got here through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And that's the knowledge that we're going to uh, keep hounding on, pounding on, is that it's through knowledge. And that's the reading and the studying of. He goes on in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge. We don't just get it because we click our heels together three times. It's through our knowledge, through the studying, through the applying, through the digging into the word of him who called us by our own by his own glory and goodness through these through what through these through his glory and goodness he has given us his very great and precious promises so that he tells us what he did and now the so that tells us why he did it so that through them through them what's the them through the great and precious promises, so that through them, through the promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, for what reason? For this reason. Because there's the opportunity for you to participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. There it is again. Threw it in there again. Through our knowledge. Through our knowledge. And here again. Add to your faith knowledge. And to knowledge self-control. And to self-control perseverance. And to perseverance godliness. And to godliness brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness love. And then he goes in. We've been studying and we have found that every time he lays out a promise he also lays out a condition. 
You'll get this promise if you do this. If you do this, God will do this. So here he goes. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will, every time you see that, they will, it's a promise. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge. There it is again. Again, it's studying. It's in your knowledge. In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sin. This is talking to Christians. This is talking to Christians. They have been cleansed from their past sin. If you don't study and and add to your faith these qualities in increasing measure, he says you are nearsighted, blind, and you've forgotten that Jesus cleansed you from your past sin. It's not enough to just receive Jesus and sit back in your lazy boy chair and say, now I'm just praying until Jesus comes. I can't find that anywhere. It's always an ongoing action on our part to continue to press in. As a matter of fact, in the pre-service prayer, I got a word that God says, lean in. And I was actually sitting at the table. And so I thought, okay, so I kind of lean in. He goes, no, that's my word for you today. For the church today is to lean in. Lean into me. And I'll lean into you. We're fighting and battling with the enemy. Kind of like two little schoolgirls. And God's saying, I'm over here. If you lean into me, I'll lean into you. And what's that scripture in James? What did I, I looked it up. 2-7, was it? See, I told you, I forget addresses real fast. That says, if, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You can't submit to God. You can't lean into God and still be doing this with the devil. He said, lean in. Lean in. Don't forget that God's done something. He said, don't become nearsighted and blind, forgetting that you've been cleansed for a reason. For a reason. It's not for you to just kick back in your chair, have your get out of jail free card, your get out of hell free card, and think that I just need to wait until you know Jesus comes back again. There's a reason. He says, if you add to your faith these things in increasing measure, he goes on, therefore, therefore means I've laid out all this that he just mentioned, one through eleven or one through nine here. Therefore. My brothers, be all the more eager, eager to make your calling and election sure. For if, there's the word if again, you do these things. Here comes his promise. You can hear it already, right? You will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do this, God says, I will do this. If you, I will. I love that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your word, God, that you make it so simple. We're the ones that complicate things. God, forgive us for doing that. Open our minds, open our hearts to receive exactly what you have for us today. And bring it from our head knowledge to our heart knowledge that it can be applied to our life. Bring healing to our body, health to our bones. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, these seven qualities, I'm hoping to get through these first three and then we'll finish up the last four in the next week or two. Um, but I really want us to get this. That over and over again, he's saying just in these uh, 10, 11 verses, that it's through your knowledge of him. Through your knowledge of him.
Now, I used to think as an early Christian that knowledge and wisdom were interchangeable. It's either knowledge or wisdom. It's the same thing. It's not. Knowledge is the learning of, the study of, the. it's like if this was a class on guns. No, anyway, guns. And I had all these guns laid out. And I had you had all the paperwork and all these specifications all laid out. And we tore them all apart. And I taught you how to put them all. That's knowledge. You are learning about guns. Wisdom is when you pick that gun up, knowing how and when to use it. That's wisdom. Knowledge is learning, studying what it is. Wisdom is how to apply it. So when he's talking about through our knowledge of him, it's through our study of who he is. And it's through the word. Basic instructions before leaving earth. And I think, God, don't don't get off course when people come to you and say, oh, but this book over here, the book of, what have I heard? There's, anyway, I'm not getting into them all. There's other books that are just as good and, you know, they should have been in the Bible, but, you know, men kept them from being them. So you need to read this. No, I truly believe God is a big enough God that every word in here is because he wanted it in here. And every word that's not in here is because he's a big enough God. He said, I don't want that in here. So this is what you study. And I love books. I'm not putting down books. I listen to Audible, I listen to books. I don't have, I don't sit around and read books. I'd probably fall asleep or I get distracted a lot. But it, having the book read to me, it's very nice. So I'm going through two books usually a week. So I don't, but I don't neglect the study of. That comes first. Because this is where true knowledge lies. The rest of it is just like, I don't know, frosting on a cookie. You know? Maybe this is the frosting, and that's the cookie, because you usually want to throw away the cookie and just eat the frosting. Anyway, why am I talking about desserts? <laughs> anyway, but this is where knowledge comes from, that through the knowledge, and listen to this. He said, through the knowledge of him, which is our responsibility, it's our responsibility. He's not going to spoon feed you, eat this, eat your vegetables, eat the lettuce, eat the stuff that's good for you that doesn't taste good. Leave the cookies to somebody else like Amy, who's skinny. But no, but it's our responsibility. You know what? He said that if any of you lack wisdom, ask him. Wait a minute. If knowledge is the study of and us getting into and us digesting and eating of his word, so we're learning about him. Now he says if you want wisdom, knowing how to apply it, just ask him. So we study our responsibility. As a matter of fact, I shared with first service that when I do my devotions, sometimes I might only read one one verse. Because when I read, I mark up my Bible for one thing. And like over here where it says, where I stopped you guys. Um, through these, I circled the word these. What is he talking about? What's these? So I had to go back through the, oh, through his glory and goodness. And then it went on, precious promise, so that through them, what was them? Oh, them, he's talking about is the precious promises. And then it goes up here in verse 5, for this reason, I actually marked an arrow. And I went, what reason, big question mark? What reason? You see, my job is to, our job is to study the word. His part is he said, ask me and I'll give you the wisdom on how to apply that. So sometimes I only read one verse and then I sit back and and I'll just, okay, Holy Spirit, why did you say that? What did you mean right there? What was the reason? What was that for? And and how how do I walk, if every word is God-breathed and useful for teaching, equipping, correcting, how do I apply this word to my life right now today? How can I walk that out? And I'll chew on that throughout the day. 
That's meditating on the word. That's studying and meditating. That's getting it from here to here that brings it all the way down to the toes and then starts walking it out. Which, by the way, aren't my toes pretty? These sandals. Amy gave me these sandals. Thank you, Amy. Oh, she's not even in here. Eh, too bad. She missed it. But he'll tell us how to apply the word if we ask him. But so don't worry about just reading through and getting to the next chapter and crossing off your list that I read two chapters today. Slow down and read. And I mean literally, you think about you're supposed to, whatever you feed lives, whatever you starve dies, right? I know that because look at all the plants I keep killing. Anyway, if you're... Your flesh man needs to eat at least three times a day. As a matter of fact, for nutritional sake, for health's sake, you're supposed to eat five to six times a day. Good meals, not just cupcakes. If you need that much to keep your physical body healthy, how much does your spiritual body need? So again, it's not sitting down and gorging on a full great big buffet. Why is everything about food today? Ah! But it's about ingesting, digesting, getting it in you, little nuggets. I remember when uh, Isaiah was little and mom and dad would babysit Isaiah for me when I'd go to work. And I'd stop into their house to drop Isaiah off and dad would be sitting at his table. He goes, I got a nugget for you today. And he would give me something that he had pulled out of the word that just caused my mind to go, hmm. And I would chew on that all day long and be thinking, I don't know, why was it? And then I'd think, oh, i got to come up with a nugget for him tomorrow. But that meditating, that stirring, that chewing, it, you know how a cow, isn't it a cow, they chew on that cud, and then it goes in one stomach, and then they bring it back up again and chew on it some more. That's what, I mean, as gross as that sounds, that's what you need to do with God's Word. Grab a nugget. Pop it in your mouth and start chewing on it. And all the while asking the Holy Spirit, what nutritional value are you wanting to take out of that and ingest into me? As the word says that it becomes health to my body, nourishment to my bones, nourishment to my body and health to my bones. What is that? That's ingesting the word. That's what we're talking about through our knowledge of him. And his promises, if we do that, if we apply ourselves to studying, trusting him and asking him for the wisdom to walk it out, to use it properly, his promises is that we will have grace and peace in abundance. That we'll have divine power in everything we need to live a godly life. That we'll participate in the divine nature, which means today, now, divine nature. And we'll escape the corruption of the world by evil desires. And we will never fall. And we will receive a rich welcome into God's kingdom. Isn't that what we all want? Well, I hope it is. These promises are for us. They're, they're laws, if you will. I mean, promises in our culture doesn't mean much today, does it? See, back in the old days, a man's word was his bond. As a matter of fact, they didn't have to sign any papers. It was a handshake, right, Wayne? It was a handshake. You give me your word. As a matter of fact, because my dad and mom raised me that way, you was, it was very important that what you spoke, you did. You know, and I remember hearing over and over again, Dad saying, your word is your bond. You can get everything else you can give away, but your word needs to always remain true. So what you say, you have to do. But in today's culture, it's a promise is a, uh, doesn't mean anything anymore. So I think we need to relook at even that word promise. When God promises, we've tainted it through our thinking of our culture setting today. And that, oh, well, he may or may not. No, God's promises are like the law of gravity. 
You can't shake it. He said I will. As a matter of fact, we're going to read uh, how stern he is on these. That You know, he does not go back. He said it. He means it. If he said I will, there, there's no... It, the law of gravity, just because I think, well, it may or may not happen, it, it doesn't matter what I feel or what I think. It, it will happen. You step off the stage, you will fall down. You jump off the roof, you will fall down. There's laws. You, so when you come across, if you've been tainted in that way that promises always seem to get broken in your life, and then you start reading God's promises and you can feel your heart start to be drawn away like, oh, you know, he's probably going to, you know, come forth on his promises like everybody else. I want you to replace it with the word law or rule. Something that means more to you now than maybe life has taken away from you. So when you see God's promises, they are literal laws there that if you do this, you will. God will. So you don't have to wonder, oh, I, I wonder. If. No, he said, if you do, I will. This will happen. He gives us three ifs. If you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of him. That's pretty important. Uh, does anybody strive to be ineffective in their life? Do you wait like Pastor Neil was talking about at your tombstone that at the time of your funeral that people say, well, they lived. What did they accomplish? Well, they breathed, and now they don't. No, you want to hear, you really want to hear that you made a difference, that you impacted somebody's life. And that's not prideful or arrogant, especially if it's coming out of a heart that's tenacious for God and his glory and his kingdom to come here on earth. For you to say, I don't want my life to be unproductive or ineffective. I want to make an effect. I really want you to weep and wail and cry and snot at my funeral. I want people to be able to stand up and testimony after testimony of how something I said, something I did, hopefully the example that I led by has made a difference in your life. As a matter of fact, you can go ahead and write those down and you just send them to me. I just have a keepsake box. No, okay. Anyway. But also, he says, besides it will keep you from being ineffective, also keep you from being unproductive, or in, unproductive, my son always corrects how I say un, on and un, unproductive in your knowledge. Have you ever read the Bible and just kind of, uh, or you think about reading the Bible and you go, uh. He said, if you do this, if you add these things to your life, it will keep you from being unproductive, unproductive in your knowledge. So while you're studying, you might only get one sentence. And it like, rocks your world. Wow, I've read that a thousand times. I never saw it that way before. That's productive in your knowledge. I mean, I've taken classes where I've crammed textbooks that are bigger than, you know, well, anyway, big, and get done after the exam and walk away and think, what did I just study? Don't walk away from the studying of God's word like that. If you do these things, he said, it will keep you from being unproductive in your knowledge, in your studying, in your learning about God. Everything will become productive. And again, I want to remind you that these seven qualities are not a list of don'ts to becoming a mature Christian. Because when I gave my heart back to the Lord, I came from a very wicked, backsliding lifestyle. And I got a lot of finger pointing and old ladies telling me, you shouldn't look that way, you shouldn't talk that way, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. I got all the don'ts. And I'd go home, I mean literally mad 
at myself, hated myself after church, hated myself. Why can't I be better? Why can't I change? Why can't I, you know, do whatever they want me to do? The hair up in a bun and the skirts down to the floor. And, you know, why can't I do that? This is not about a list of don'ts. I really firmly believe that if we focus on the do's, God will prune the don'ts in his timing. But when we're turned toward the don't, we start hanging on to that with nails and outstretched and, no, Lord, don't take that from me. Right? We're looking at that thing. No, no, no. But if we focus on the do's, and God starts snipping that stuff away. It's like, well, that wasn't so bad. I hate getting shots in my arm. If I stare at it, I could literally make myself pass out. Now I can sit for hours and get a tattoo. But they start drawing blood. If I watch it, I will pass out. But if I turn away from it and talk about something, I'll ask them, so do you go to church anywhere? What are you doing? You know, do you know who Jesus is? I'll get my mind off it. I'll think about something else. They can draw blood all day long. If you focus on your do's, these are do's in this list. The don'ts, God will worry about. As a matter of fact, you'll get so focused on the do's, all of a sudden you'll realize something keeps dragging behind me. What is it? Oh, God, would you take this? Just take this. This is dragging me down. What You know, I don't need that anymore. Here, God, take that. Focus on these do's. All right, so let's, this 24 minutes and see, we didn't even start on the do's yet. Ugh. Okay, so add to your faith. Add to your faith these seven qualities. And remember, it starts with faith. And I've actually heard Christians say, you know, I just don't have any faith. Christians say, I don't have any faith. Well, right here, we just read it, and I've actually got by the verse 5 where it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and then he goes into the list. I circled that faith, added an arrow over there to show that right there in verse 1 at the end, it says, To those who through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Everyone has received a faith, a measure of faith. It might be as small as a mustard seed, but that's okay. Even that can move mountains, right? Have received. Okay, first one, goodness. Add to your faith goodness. I truly believe that as Christians today, we have forgotten how to be good. See, we've dumped, we've dove so far into the big things that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for God, I'm doing that for God, that we've forgotten how to just be good. And he said that that's number one, faith, goodness. He didn't put that down at the bottom of the list. He said the next step from your faith, add goodness. And goodness means to be good and do good. Be good and do good. And I think we need to get back to the basics of what it means to be good. I mean, when you leave your house and you've got kids in the house, Tom, what's the first thing you say to him as you're leaving? Be good! It is! I, I mean, my boys are getting old enough where I still say that, but even when I leave the house and I turn to my dog, and I because she always thinks, am I going with you? And so I tell her, Des, go lay down and be good. I even tell the dog that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Brian, too. But I think we've forgotten how to be good. So I search for a scripture that would help kind of like put it all in, in, in a nutshell, just what it looks like to be good. Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 7 through 10 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. And I actually underline that because that's pretty important. Because as we, over the years in our Christian walk, we do have a tendency to become wise in our own eyes. And I think that's when we kind of get away from being good. That we need to go back to. 
Oh, we've got all this huge head knowledge. Oh, we know this, we know that. And you ask them, okay, but do you know how to be good? Do you know how to do good? And so right here he says, so do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled. See, if you, then God will. Will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. It's real simple right here. It says it all in these couple scriptures. How do we be good? Be humble. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. Honor God with your first fruits. Be good. Be good. And do good. Galatians 6 Verses 7 through 10 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. See, these are not just promises, flippant promises. These are laws, if you will. I like that better. I would almost insert that more and more. But I think we need to get back to the innocence of a, a man's word as his bond. God said it. It will happen. He, he's not tossed back and forth by what he feels like. He said it, he will. Whenever he says, I will, it will happen. It will happen. It's a guarantee. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if. See the promise with the condition. If we do not give up. Therefore, remember you see the word therefore, go back. What did he just say? Sum it up there. Because you will reap what you sow. It will happen. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So if he's talking about sowing and reaping, why is he telling you to be good to all people? You're sowing good. This is not a tough one. You guys need food, don't you? You're all looking at me pretty hungry. You'll reap. You'll reap good. You sow good, you reap good. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do do good to all people. Know that you're pleasing. You're sowing to please the Spirit. You will, God's promise, you will reap what you sow. And that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. As a matter of fact, Scripture, I think in Matthew, says by the same measure you use when you sow, you will reap. So if you're walking around with your little teaspoon of goodness saying, yeah, Here's a goodness for you. Here's a little goodness for you. God says, okay, fine. Give me that teaspoon. Here's a little goodness for you. Oh, but God, you said an abundance. Well, what are you sowing? Are you sowing abundance? Or are you sowing sparingly? So in the same measure, he said, I cannot be mocked. He, this is saying, my word's my bond. I cannot be mocked. What I say, what you sow, you will reap. It will happen. Number two, knowledge. So he laid out faith as the, the foundation. It all starts on faith. And then the next one, he says, add to it goodness. Be good. Do good. Be good. Do good. Can't you just hear the Father's heart? Be good. I'm coming back. Be good. And do good. And then he said knowledge again. How many times did he say it before we even got to those seven qualities? Through our knowledge of him. Through our knowledge of him. We have these great and precious promises. Through our knowledge of him. And then he says after goodness add some more knowledge. Study, study, study. 
Not so that you get head knowledge, but that you learn him. I mean, if you start in a relationship with somebody, you will not grow far in that relationship until you start to get to know them. Study them. Find out what they like, what they, what they love, what they don't like. And you want to start doing those things. And you, the, you want to stay away from the things that they don't like. Because you're all giddy and Twitter-pated like the little rabbit on, you know, Bambi or something. Because, you know, your heart's fluttering and you want to get... That's what he's saying right here. Through your knowledge. I want you to study me. I want you to know me. And I really want you to get a new picture of even studying the Word of God. That it's to... to ingest, I don't know a better word to say it, but to take it and eat it for your nourishment. That it's got to get in you. Because it's not a, I'm applying it so I can walk around and tell people all the scriptures that I know and quote them all and, and throw them out there. Living. Remember the Pharisees, what did they do? They had these little boxes on their wrists. They actually had it on their foreheads too. Boxes of little scripture. Could you imagine that? Walking around with a little box on your forehead, you know, scriptures, and so they could pull it out and show. They had the word on the outside of them, but not on the inside of them. God here is telling you when you study, he wants it to get inside you. Inside you. Digest it. Ingest it and then digest it and let it seep inside you. He said, through our knowledge, through our knowledge, through our knowledge. Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved. A workman or a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word. Study. My first scripture I ever memorized was Psalm 119.11, and it says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I won't sin against you. I don't know if I'm sinning if I don't know what sin is. I have to study. I have to know and apply it. I still pray that. Lord, hide that word in my heart. Write it on the tablet of my heart. Write it on my, you know, the, my mind and, and everything about me so that I will walk out my day walking out your word. The Full Life Study Bible says, Note that true biblical training emphasizes true righteousness, which means knowing, being, and doing. Biblical training emphasizes true righteousness as knowing, being, and doing, rather than merely acquiring biblical facts. The great doctrines revealed in Scripture are redemptive in truths, not academic ones. As issues involving life, death, and eternity, they demand a personal response and a decision on our part. When you read the Word and God says, I command you to blah, 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 you have to make a decision, I am going to do this, or I am not going to do this. When you read it, you study and you're ingesting the Word of God, and all of a sudden you come up across that, you know, I command you to. You have to make a decision right there. Am I going to do this, or am I not going to do this? And there's no in-between. Well, I don't know. I mean, really, as, as parents, when we, I've left a list for my kids. Actually, when we had all the kids in the house, I had, like, lists. So they all had their own list. And when we got ready to leave, I would leave them the list and say, while I'm gone, I want you to do this, 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 and this. Right? Each one had a list. When I come back, what do you think the first thing is I do? I check the list. So what did you do? Because what, what do I want to see that they've done? Everything on the list. Right? I told them to do this. I come back, I'm going to judge them according to the list. Well, what if he says, well, you know what? I read that list and I didn't really feel like taking out the trash. I interpreted it to say that if I feel like it, I could take out the trash when I wanted to. I mean, it's going to sound harsh, but do I really care what he feels? Nope. Am 
I going to give him? Oh, that's all right. It's okay. It, it was the thought that counted. No. It's did you do it or did you, you not do it? That's it. There's no in between there. And we really have to study God's word to understand that it's not just learning and memorizing so we can spout off all these scriptures, but it's ingesting it and, I, okay, now I've got to make a decision. Am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? That's the knowledge that he's talking about. And then the last one, and we're wrapping up, is self-control. Self-control. Oh, yeah, I heard the moans. Oh, First Peter 1, actually just flip over. If you're still in your Bible in 2 Peter, just write it here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, and again, remember, whenever you see therefore, it's, go back and summarize what were they just talking about. And this is talking basically about the living hope that we have, that, you know, the culmination of Christ being revealed and coming and you know, boy, these apostles were studying and waiting, and even angels were waiting to see all this stuff come into being. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope on what on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children... Do what your daddy did, put on the list for you to do. As obedient children, daddy put your to-do list together, you better have done it. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, without knowledge. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And what did we hear? What did we read over here in Second Peter? That he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He has given us everything we need to live a godly life. But the gate to living God's kingdom here now is our mind. There's a study that Bill Johnson did that I think Tuesday Night Group is still going through. Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind. It talks about the mind is the gate to the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. It, it's through our way of thinking. Yeah, you like this? You like my little gate here? Okay. It really is. It, it transforms what we do. How we live and what we work. It's how we think. You need to set your mind for action. Some of the ladies are doing a weight loss challenge. Before we weighed in, one of the ladies came to me and said, Thursday, we weighed in on a Saturday. She said, Thursday, we started cleaning the house, getting the junk food out. We went shopping and put the good stuff in. She was setting her mind for action. That's what this self-controlled is talking about. Set your mind for action. Get ready to understand that you are not a victim tossed back and forth in this big, you know, fight against good and evil. And we're just, oh, sometimes we're good and oh, sometimes we're evil. That's a lie. There is no war going on between good and evil. God won. It's over. There's no more fight. You know, it's like you walk over to a light switch and it's dark in the room and there's not a struggle to bring that light on. It's a flip, it's on. Darkness left, it's gone. There's no struggle. But you have to set your mind for action because the only power Satan has over you, remember I said this last week, is what he can speak to you. He speaks in your ear. Did God really say that? Set your mind for action. God's promises says he will if I do. So I'm going to focus on the do and God's going to take care of the wills. He's going to bring the promise. It will happen. There's no doubt in my mind. I do, God does. I do, God wills. It comes, but set your mind for action. So your homework for this week is to study Galatians chapter 5. 
I want you to really see the difference. And it talks about living by the spirit and living by the flesh. And how that works and walks out. And we'll jump into it a little bit more next week before I go into the rest of these. But at least Galatians chapter, or verses 16 through 25. Focus on those verses. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's setting our mind for action. You want to be on the winning team, don't you? No, I want to be a loser. I woke up this morning and said, boy, if I could be a loser. Unless we're talking about weight here. I want to be a bigger loser. Anyway. No, we want to keep in step with the Spirit. All right, so in closing, and like I said, we'll wrap this up either next week or in the next two weeks. Controlled by the Spirit. Self-controlled. Self-controlled means you choose what controls you. Either the spirit or your flesh. If you sit around and say, well, I don't really believe in that, you know, I, I just believe, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I ask the Lord to be in my heart and, you know, he'll just do as he wants to do through me. Again, that's a lazy boy mentality. That you got your get out of hell free card and you think you can kick back and just ride the wave. And again, I can't find that anywhere. As a matter of fact, there should be something in you. I have to be real careful how I say this because we don't earn God's grace. We don't earn God's forgiveness. But it's like a memorial to his honor. Our life should be a memorial to honor his death. Do you understand? I mean, I try to, and you know, I got choked up when my dad and I was talking about the Passion movie and how as a mother's heart now, it's a lot different to watch the sacrifice that Jesus went through. You know, the the, the beating and, and the... You know, all that torture there. And we were talking about that passion movie and, and how, remember, it showed the scene was that he was being beaten. I mean, just tore up and blood everywhere. And then when they took him and they drug him away, his mother went down on her knees with cloths and started sopping up the blood. And I told my dad, I said, before I wouldn't have understood that. But as a mother my son to think about the torture he just underwent at the hands of, let's just say it, injustice. He wasn't justly being crucified. I mean, in God's plan, yes, it was part of God's plan, but he was being punished for our sins, not his. And for that mother to run down there and start sopping up the blood, she knew how precious each drop was. And so our life should be a memorial, should pay homage, should pay honor to the sacrifice that Jesus made. Otherwise, wouldn't you as a mom, and remember God's mother heart and father heart are in one. He's both. I mean, Hebrews even talks about trampling on the blood of Jesus. Because you don't honor the sacrifice. You go back to this thing that you used to do before you were saved and dabble in this. And you go over here and do this. That you're trampling on the blood of Jesus. Where it should be so, you know, I sent my son and he died and he did this. And he sacrificed and spilled his blood so that you can live life to the fullest. That you can tell other people about the love. That they can be reconciled back to God. They don't have to be orphans any longer. But they can be adopted and grafted back in. So what are you doing? Does your life honor that sacrifice? It's not a earning the forgiveness. It really is. So when I'm talking about being a mature Christian. Adding these things. It's not just so that we can be puffed up. 
like a Pharisee and look all whitewashed tombish on the outside, but death inside. This is an ingesting up. These are qualities that we get into us so that it comes out. It just, it just oozes out of us in a memorial, if you will, to the sacrifice. God, your love was so great. I want to learn about it. I want to, I want to soak it in. I want to get it in me so I can walk it out. So when I see other, I do good to all. Why? Because you told me to. Because you love me so much and you love them so much. That's why I do it. It just comes out of you. It's an in you coming out of you. That's the qualities that we're talking about. And I really believe it as if we do these things, if we add the besides the promises, the laws, the rules that will happen. God says will happen if you do these things. The, if you stripped away all those promises and realized it, would you still do them if it was just to bring honor to the sacrifice? Yes. Shouldn't it be? Yes. Yes. So would you just stand with me? Father, we just thank you for your word. God, you're so loving. You're so merciful. You're so gracious. Holy Spirit, you're so tender to us. You're such a good teacher. You, you guide us into all truth. You sit back and say, if you want to know, just ask. I love that about you, God. I learned that about you. You said, if I lack wisdom, all I need to do is ask. You'll tell me. I love that. That as I study your word, that your wisdom will come alongside of me and teach me how to correctly handle it. I don't do these so I can earn your promises. I do these because I want to be a memorial to your sacrifice. I want my life to be effective. To count. To make a difference because you died. ask that before you leave today I want you to come up I want you to make a recommitment like Pastor Neil talked about that this is the day of renewing renewing our spiritual renewing our spiritual commitment that it, that you make a spiritual no not just spiritual that you make a commitment to begin to walk out in the physical what you are going to commit yourself to start ingesting in the spiritual. God's Word. These qualities. And I really believe, I really firmly believe that when we sit back in our chair and we say, well, if God wants me to have it, He'll bring it to me. That that not only is a pride-filled statement, but it's a idolatrous statement that God I want you to do this I don't need to come to you you come to me God's asking you to step out and make a commitment to stand strong and be an example and lead others lead your household so I don't want anybody leaving. I want you guys to come up. I want you to make a commitment. I want you to spend time with God. There's just these three things are all we covered this morning. Goodness. To be good. And to do good. To knowledge. To the studying of the word. To get it in me. And to self-control. To set my mind for action. Come on up front and just start asking God to fill you. 